Thessalonians said that a strong delusion was coming to people who did not have the love of the truth. Strong delusion. What's that mean? It means they will believe lies sincerely. They will sincerely think that they are right. They'll sincerely think that they have chosen the right position. They'll put their passion, their power, and their energy behind their position. The problem is because they've been given over to delusion, they're believing a lie. You have to receive somewhere along your journey of faith a love for the truth of God, a love for the truth of the Scripture, even though at times the Scripture contains inconvenient truths. I wanted to pick out a few inconvenient truths from the Scripture and share them with you. I have about eight of them, and I'll go ahead and start. And I want you to be real, real careful because when I say some of these things, you're going to get so excited, you might bum rush the platform and we might lose the service. So I just want you to restrain yourself as I start going through some of these, okay? All right, you ready? Inconvenient truth number one, you are going to die. I just want that to settle in on you for a minute. You are going to die. You may say, that's obvious, preacher. Well, you're living like it's not obvious. Living your life, conducting business, doing things in your life that would cause a person observing you to assume that you don't believe you're going to die. But you are going to die. Can't afford $45, can't save $45 a month to have some life insurance so your family's not crippled by your death. And it's because in the back of your mind, you really don't think you're ever going to die. But I got news for you. You are going to die. Now, I hope it's a long time from now, you know. But whether it comes sooner or later, the Bible teaches that you are going to die. Inconvenient truth number two, everyone you love is going to die. Now, I hope no tragedy ever befalls you. I hope that everyone you love grows old and gray, but the reality is all of you are going to die. In fact, you've got an appointment. Everyone you love has an appointment with death. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, it is appointed for men. The devil didn't make this appointment. God scheduled this appointment. You have an appointment. It is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Inconvenient truth number three. I told you it was going to get wild in here when I started preaching this message. Isn't this wild? Inconvenient truth number three. After death, there will be judgment. Oh, yes. You will give an account for your words, your deeds, and your sins. But most importantly, you will be tried and weighed in the balance to see whether or not you trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. It's inconvenient, but it's truth. Number four, inconvenient truth. Those who did not trust Christ as their Savior will be sent to hell after their death. Revelations 21.8, look at the truth of the word of God. 
It says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Inconvenient truth number five. We're almost through it. Many people who label themselves Christian will end up in hell. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus speaking here. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day. What day is he talking about? Judgment day, when you stand and give an account after your death. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, he's not talking to baby Christians here. He's talking to people that knew the truths of God's word so well they could practice and use spiritual laws and even get good results using them because spiritual laws work whether you're saved or not. Spiritual laws work whether you've repented of your sins or not. Spiritual laws work, but just because you can use some spiritual laws does not mean that you are saved and going to heaven. Inconvenient truth number six. Hell has enlarged itself to accommodate the ever-increasing number of occupants that are heading there. Isaiah 5, 14, look at what he says. Therefore, Sheol, another word for hell, has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure. Inconvenient truth number seven. There is no salvation in the afterlife for those who have not trusted in Jesus during their life on earth. Inconvenient truths. The Bible talks a lot to us about death because it wants us to know that one day we will face it. And more importantly, one day we will face what comes after death. It's inconvenient, but it's truth. So, since the scripture has well established that we are going to die, the question becomes, how then should we live? Knowing that we're going to die, as long as we're alive, how then should we live? To which the scripture beckons to us a thunderous answer and says over and over again in the Old and the New Testament that the just shall live by faith. Living by faith is the only option for the Christian, which is why the enemy attacks it so vehemently. Faith. Live by faith, but faith, but faith, but... And maybe that's the problem. We've focused more on faith side effects in the American church than we have its main purpose. What's the main purpose for faith? Now, I've taught about faith a lot. You know, faith will get you a blessing, but that's not its main purpose. Faith will heal a sick body, but that is not its main purpose. 
Faith will take a downcast, depressed soul and lift it all the way back up again. But that is not its main purpose. Faith's main purpose is the salvation of your soul. Having faith in Jesus Christ releases, it connects you to the salvation of your soul. It releases the chains of condemnation and the bondage of sin and then connects your soul to, to Jesus Christ and eternal life. And secondly, it ensures the resurrection of your body. Now, catch this, please. Faith saves your soul. Faith in Jesus saves your soul. And then number two, it ensures the resurrection of your body. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 14. The apostle writes, for if, everybody say big if. Big say it like you had some coffee and like you're not miserable. Say big if. Big if. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Not hard for a lot of people to believe that Jesus died, but that's not, that doesn't stop there. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep or those who die in Jesus. Did you know that faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the guarantee, it is the linchpin, it is the foundation of your salvation? You can't be saved without believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the heart of the gospel, that Jesus lived, suffered, died, and rose again so that those that believe in him can live, die, and then ultimately rise again themselves. Without the resurrection of the dead, without faith in the resurrection of the dead, our whole gospel, Paul said, is a lie and the truth is not in it. You must have faith in the resurrection of the dead. But I'm concerned about faith right now because faith is measurable. You ain't with me. I'm going to preach anyway. I said faith is measurable. It can run high or it can run low. It can run hot or it can run cold. You remember Jesus told his disciples multiple times, O ye of little faith. You remember he saw the centurion. Centurion said, uh, you don't have to come to my house. Just send the word and my servant will be here, be healed. And Jesus said, man, you got great faith. Faith is measurable. Now, Romans 10, 9 says, this is the salvation scripture. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he died on the cross. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe he shed his blood for your sins. What's the word say? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. So if you don't have faith in the resurrection, you don't have salvation. Faith is measurable. Now, worried about us, because if you can't believe God for the lesser, how can you say you believe him for the resurrection of the dead? If you, I'm going to mess with you, if you can't believe God can heal you, 
how can you believe in the resurrection of the dead? If you can't believe that God can preserve your life and keep you alive until your appointed time to die, then how can you tell me that you believe in the resurrection of the dead? That's how people get delusional. That's how people can say, Lord, we did all these works in your name. We came to church. We did all this stuff. How is it that we're not saved? It's because they never developed the faith in the resurrection from the dead. You have to believe in the resurrection in order to be saved. And then finally, inconvenient truth number eight. God can and does deliver us from trouble and affliction, but not every time. Boy, I knew y'all would be going crazy during this message. Just didn't expect it so crazy, you know. God can and does deliver us from trouble and affliction, but not every time. The Apostle Paul, who was skilled in faith, prayed three times because he had a thorn in his flesh. And he said, Lord, I need you to remove this thorn. No answer. Lord, I need you to remove this thorn. No answer. God, please, I need you to remove this thorn. No answer. Finally, God responded to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. What was happening here? God was saying, Paul, there's a purpose for that thorn. I'm trying to get something through your life. I'm trying to get something through your ministry that I won't be able to get through you unless I leave the thorn in place. So I'm going to give you the grace to deal with this thorn and trust me through the process because the trust you have in me through the thorn situation is going to reveal and yield a far greater result out of your life than it would be if I simply just removed the thorn. So basically, basically God was saying, I'm going to need you to trust me with this one. The thorns in our lives that God does not remove reveal whether our faith is hot or cold. I'm going to say that again. The thorns in our lives that God does not remove reveal whether our faith is hot or whether it is cold. Jesus prophesied in the book of Matthew and said a day was coming when the love of many would grow cold. We're living in that day right now. The love of many would grow cold. The scripture says in the epistles, now abideth faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So it would stand to reason if Jesus said a time was coming when love would grow cold, and of faith, hope, and love, love is the greatest, then you can certainly conclude that faith will grow cold. If love can grow cold, faith can grow cold. A faith that's grown cold is what causes people who have labeled themselves Christians to deceive themselves into thinking they're saved when they're actually lost grown cold, not because of an absence of preaching, not because of an absence of God's presence, grown cold because they have majored on the side effects of faith and not its main purpose. They have majored on what God's able to do, not majored on God himself. 
blessing, healing, and deliverance are all side effects of faith, and they are amazing, but they are not the main point. And if you are not careful, the anchor and the center of your faith will become the deliverance God provides instead of the God that provides the deliverance. Oh, I feel like preaching now. If you're not careful, you will get more focused on God's present than God's presence, on the gifts instead of the giver, in what God can do for you instead of what God really is. And the question then becomes when your faith grows cold, do you really love God or are you just after what he can do for you? Is all you have faith in in God or is all you have faith in what he can do, how he can heal you, how he can bless you, how he can elevate you? And that's what causes many people to sit in church while they are careening towards a devil's hell is because they have fallen in love with the things so in the rare circumstances when they prayed in faith and they asked for deliverance and the deliverance does not come they quit on God and grow cold in their faith because they have more faith in the deliverance I prayed one time and God didn't help me and I decided God's not real. Your faith was never in God. Your faith was in what you wanted him to do. And if he didn't do what you wanted him to do, you've decided he's not real. You weren't ever saved or talking to God anyway. We must be careful when our faith is disappointed. You'll see great things in your life through faith. But when you don't get what you want and you start pouting on God because of a disappointed faith, that's when toxicity can seep into your spirit and poison you and cause your faith to grow cold. So what do you do with disappointed faith? What do you, what do, you do when life does not turn out the way you prayed and the way you asked or the way you believed? Do you quit on God or do you understand that real faith will always lead you to a crossroads where you have the opportunity to lean over and transition into trust. Faith in God and trust in God are two very different things. Knowledge, that's what faith comes from. It comes from hearing the knowledge of the Word of God preached. Knowledge says God is able. Faith says, not only is he able, but I believe that he will. But trust says, but even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow my knee to another because God, my anchor of trust is in you. And your trust in God will keep your faith in God from growing cold. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Your trust in God will keep your faith in God from growing cold. In other words, your faith may be hot in seasons of victory, but in seasons of defeat, when you have some losses, your faith will grow cold if you haven't added trust to your faith. Faith says, I believe I'm going to see a victory, and then it shouts when the victory comes. But trust says, whether I see a victory or not, I'm going to shout because you're worthy of the praise. Whether I see a breakthrough or not, I'm going to shout because you're God and God alone seated high. Trust says, 
I'm not waiting on your performance in order to praise you. Trust says, I'm going to praise you because of who you are. So I tried to find an example where we could apply knowledge, faith, and trust. It's an old example. You know it. Three Hebrew boys. They're royalty. They're living in the king's palace, being trained by the king's educators. They're men of faith, studying to become proficient in the law, possibly teachers, possibly uh, uh, Levites. Who knows? And they peek over the uh, castle walls one night, and they see King Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian army coming in to invade the city. And so the three Hebrew boys started praying. God, please don't let them invade my city. Why did they pray? Because knowledge says God's able to do it. They were reading the law. They were students of the law. They knew that God had stopped enemies from invading Israel before. Knowledge says he's done it before. And because he's done it before, he can do it again. And then they went a step further. Faith says not only can he do it, but I believe he will do it. And so they prayed, but he invaded the city anyway. He attacked the city. He burned the city. He killed their king. He killed all of their family. And he began to steal everything from their lives. He took away their freedom and forced them into his service. He shaved all of their hair off of their heads. He stole their names. Their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he renamed them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He stole their native tongue and told them they weren't allowed to speak in their language anymore and made them learn a new language. He even stole their manhood. He castrated them. Taken everything from them. And they were praying it wouldn't happen the entire time. And their prayers were not answered. What do you do when you pray in faith and your prayers do not get answered? This moment of affliction brought them to a crossroads where they could either grow cold in their faith or throw their anchor down over into trust in God. So the king has conquered Israel and he decides to celebrate his victory by using a huge, massive furnace to create a golden image of himself, to celebrate himself. Then he decrees a law. Government made a law. Government made a law about worship. Be careful, boy. Said, ah. You hear the music playing, no matter where you are, what you're doing, you bow down and you worship my golden image. Now watch this. If you don't bow down and worship my golden image, then the furnace I used to create the image, I'm going to throw you in that same furnace. I'm going to destroy you with what I use to create my idol that I'm making you worship. And, you know know the story. Government finds out three stubborn boys who won't bow. So they take them to the king. And in verse 13 of Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury. Everybody say rage and fury. 
he gave the command for them to bring them. Verse 14, he spoke to them. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods nor worship the gold image I have set up? And he said, you know, basically, the next time you hear the flute, the horn, the lyre, and all of that, I, I want you to bow down. And it's interesting to me. It says he's full of rage and fury. He kidnapped them, killed their mom and daddy, killed their king, shaved their head, changed their language, castrated them, and is making them serve him as slaves. And he brings them before him in chains, and he's furious with them. He's furious. Because he has taken everything from them except their will. You better listen to me, Christian world. Nobody can take your will. You got to be willing to give it over. No government can take your will. You got to be willing to give it over. They may bombard you for months after months after months after months trying to get you to fear them and cause fear to cause you to give over your will, but they can't take your will. They can take your house. They can take your car. They can take your land. They can take your freedom, but one thing they cannot take is your will. And he's angry because he's taken everything except the one thing they have to give him. And that's what the spirit of this world and this age is trying to do to you right now. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The bombardment and the onslaught is not stopping because they are trying to take your will away from you. He's angry. And he tells him, I want you to bow down. And they said, we read it. No. Isn't it amazing how angry people get when they think they're in a position of authority and they think you're just going to roll over for them and they think you don't have no intestinal fortitude and they think nobody ever put nothing strong in you that has the will to resist their ideas and their plans and they think they got more power than you do because they're bigger than you do and they got more money than you do and they got more strength than you do and when you have the audacity to say no you got the leader of one of the most vicious armies in all of the land, pulling his hair out with rage and anger because one little believer standing there with his other friends looked up and said, no. You can have my hair. You can have my language. You can have my manhood. You can have my mama and my daddy. You can have my house. You can have everything I grew up around. You can have everything I love. One thing you can't have, you can't have my knee. I'm not going to bow down to your God. I'm not going to serve and worship your image. You can have everything else. You can't have my knee. That's a person that has transitioned out of faith.
and into trust. The question is, what gave them the fortitude to stand there in front of the man that had desecrated them, who has heated up this fiery furnace? They knew he was going to throw them in. You did everything else to me. Why wouldn't you throw me in? What gave them the fortitude to stand in front of that man and say no? I heard preachers say for years it was their faith. No, it wasn't. I can prove it with scripture. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And everything these boys had hoped for hadn't turned out like they expected. They prayed their city wouldn't be taken. It was taken. They prayed their parents wouldn't be killed. They were killed. They prayed they wouldn't be kidnapped. They were kidnapped. They prayed against everything that happened to them. And systematically, the opposite of what they prayed happened. Faith don't work in these circumstances. Only trust. Only trust. When you transition into trust, that's the place where your anchor cannot be moved. When you transition into trust where, where you say knowledge says God can. Faith says I believe he will. Trust says even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. You got a person that's willing to say even if he doesn't, that person can't be moved. You got a person that's willing to say even if he doesn't, you know, I'm worried about us. You know, I'm worried about us right now. Yeah. Now, I've given my life to this thing. Sad to see what's happened to the church the last few months. Sad to see how your post changed over 90 days. Sad to see people you've labored for, prayed for, worked through issues with. Sad to see the faith erode so quickly and, and no evidence of an enduring trust in God. Makes me wonder if you were saved to begin with. Or if the church provided a, a place of community because you needed to connect with some people. Or maybe you work in the church and it provided a play, great place for you to have a job. Or maybe you have a deep sense of entitlement and you need your ego stroke no one will stroke it in corporate America so you found a place to serve in the church and you may be so knowledgeable and powerful and anointed you can cast out demons in the name of Jesus don't mean you're going to heaven And in these moments where your faith is challenged and at an all-time low like it is right now, if you don't have trust, this is where we lose people. This is where the found get lost again. People ask me all the time, can you lose your salvation? I respond, can you lose your faith? Because salvation over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture is tied to faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you lose your faith, you've lost your salvation. What do you do when your faith's wounded? If you haven't added trust to your faith, now listen, I'm the biggest faith person of them all. 
I believe in miracles. I believe in healing. I believe in blessing. I believe you'll see those things. But what do you do when that shuts down? Is there anything left in you when God disappoints your expectations? No trust, you fall away. You know, in the, in the epistles when he talks about the great falling away, you know, I used to read that, and I, I couldn't imagine. I've grown up in church my whole life. I couldn't imagine how that could happen. Like, how would all of these church people, so on fire from God, how would they, have fa they all fall away? And then I saw the coronavirus. I mean, this is all it took. This is literally all it took. I don't want to take you through the book of Revelation and tell you what's going to happen in the real end times where you can't buy a loaf of bread unless you take the mark of the beast. This was all it took. Those of you that have been coming here for a few years, look around at this building right now. This is all it took. Feel the atmosphere in the room right now. How stale and nasty it is. You know why? Faith is at an all-time low. It's grown cold because you've been feeding on fear all day, every day. Reading on fear all day, every day. You've stopped praying. You've stopped worshiping. You've stopped seeking. You've stopped standing. You've stopped believing. And you've started saying things like, well, maybe we should back up into fear. And you're being reckless with your soul. Because when faith is contaminated, if trust is not there, That's how you see the apostasy, those apostates that Paul said, once you have tasted Jesus Christ and salvation, if you fall away from, y'all don't like truth. I told you it was inconvenient truth. I knew my church wouldn't like this. I knew it'd be a dead Sunday because I got a lot of dead saints looking up at me with dead spirits and dead eyes and they don't know it, but they are on the verge of busting hell wide open and you better thank God somebody loves you enough to get up and tell you an inconvenient truth. The apostates are people who had tasted the real thing, the real salvation, and then after tasting it, turned away from it. After tasting it, turned away from it. And he said, for them, there is no salvation possible. Because what other savior are you going to find? If you turn your back on the one that died and shed his blood for you and you no longer believe and trust in that one, what other Savior are you going to find? I never understood. All my life I used to sleep through, through church services about end time prophecy. I used to look at the world I was living in and then look at what the preacher was saying about end time prophecy and I said, that could not happen. And then a virus with a 95.7% survival rate. 
You had, I'm not knocking you online, you do what you got to do, but you had a greater percentage chance of getting killed driving over here to church this morning from your house than you do of dying from this virus if you get it. And I'm not knocking you online. I'm making this point. Don't, don't get mad at me and turn me off. Listen, I'm making this point. That's all it took. What do you think's going to happen as things get worse? I got bad news for you. The Bible prophesies things will not get better. The, Jesus said the times will wax worse and worse. It gets worse the older the earth gets. It gets worse the closer we get to the second coming of Jesus. It gets worse the closer we get to the rapture. It gets worse. How's your knee doing? How's your knee doing? How's it doing? Because I promise you, it's under a lot of pressure right now. It's under pressure right You can't hardly make a Facebook post about having faith without people coming after you and demonizing you, saying you're lying to people and you're in denial and you're just another foolish Christian and you're crazy and you've lost your mind. You're a dangerous person, irresponsible pastor. You've got to be ashamed of the things people have been sending me. Lady, a lady sent me a, a note to my email apologizing to me for some things she had said about me during this whole thing. She said, I just wanted to say I'm sorry to you. And I didn't respond back because this thing ain't over yet. Who knows what else you're going to say? Ain't over yet. She sent me that before the spike in San Antonio. Who knows what she thinks now? Don't apologize yet. And she's sweet. I love her. I was just using that as an example. Don't leave the church over that. But uh, the, the point is, the point is, God does save, heal, and deliver. God does bless. God does bring you out of trouble. But not all the time. And when he doesn't do it, when you want it to be over, and he said, no, it's going to last six more months. When you wanted to be recognized for your faithfulness and your talents at that job. And they gave you a pink slip and said, get your worthless self out. When you were faithful to that family and you served that family and you got handed divorce papers. When you prayed and you sowed for a husband, thought you met the right one and then got your surprise of your life. could tell a story about that but I've been bad enough today you hear me do you hear me if you don't have a trust in God to accompany your faith 
in God. You're in trouble. Your soul's in trouble. You need that anchor. You know, when Nebuchadnezzar looks at them and he says, worship my image, he messed up. Because he's trying to manipulate a worshiper. And when you are a real worshiper, uh, you don't hear me. I said, when you are a real worshiper, real worshipers cannot be manipulated. Praisers can be. Praisers praise because faith brought the breakthrough. A praiser stands in faith and says, God, I'm going to give you a praise in advance because I believe you're going to heal my body. God, I'm going to give you a praise in advance because I believe you're going to send the money. God, I'm going to give you a praise in advance because I believe you're going to help this business. And then they get the thing they're praising and hoping and having faith for, and they give God a praise. But it's tied to God's performance. That's what praise is. Praising the Lord for the good things he has done. And praise is powerful. Praise is comely to the upright. Praise is a weapon. Praise is a force. But in its definition and its core, it is thanking God for the good things he has done. Worship is different. Worship is honoring, glorifying, pouring love on God, not for anything that he has done, but simply because of who he is. A praiser says, Lord, I came to sing today because you blessed my family. A worshiper says, Lord, my family's falling apart, but I still want to give you my song. A praiser says, God, you gave me a new car, and I came to shout and give you glory. A worshiper said, I just took the bus today. My car got repossessed. But God, here I am in your presence to lift up your glorious name simply because of who? Are there any worshipers watching me online? Are there any worshipers in the building? Are there any people whose love for God is not tied to his actions? These were, yeah, yeah, I feel the Holy Ghost now, finally, thank you. These were, train boys you know what you're not doing with your kids they did this with these kids Moses said when they rise up out of bed in the morning tell them when they sit down at the table at lunch tell them when they go to bed tell them tell them what here O Israel the Lord your God is one and beside him there is no other here O Israel thou shalt have no other gods before me. Hear, O Israel, thou shalt not bow down and worship a graven image. Everything these boys were taught was not about the blessings God will give you and the healing God will give you and the mercy God will give you and the new Cadillac God will give you. No! They didn't get the side effects. They got the main thing. 
You serve God because he's God. You worship God because he's God. You worship God because you belong to him. You worship God because he created you. You worship God because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell with it. You worship God because from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, feel good, feel bad, feel nothing. He's still worthy. I wish I had a left church over here. I wish I had a leftover church in here. I wish I had a remnant church in here. worship God I tell you why I'm troubled in my spirit extended members of my own family have gone crazy lost their ever-loving minds I was driving down the street the other day talking to my grandpa who's in heaven I was saying Papa Forgive us. I don't know what happened to us. I mean, it used to be that we remembered those of us that were raised. It used to be that as we got older, we remembered how the ones that survived and lived and died well, how they made it. How they survived and it used to be that we held those values more tightly and we would not let anything keep us from pouring those values into our children. But we've left it. No wonder Jesus said it's going to get worse and worse. World's going to fall apart. The Antichrist will come to power. People who've been in church their whole lives will take the mark. Because they got a lot of faith, but no trust. They preach. They lead worship and can pull the power down. But dig in there. Excavate it. Pull it all out. When the fire is applied and it's coming, you will find no real trust. You know why? Because it's an inconvenient trust. Came for troll. I came for souls in trouble today. I came for people up under strong delusion. 
Yeah, I pray in the Holy Ghost, Pastor Williams. We need that. Intercede, woman of God. Yeah. Zion without your travail sons and daughters won't be born where's Zion at oh my God do we have any left where's the intercessors at oh my God do we have none left did they all stay home today You're in this room and you've grown cold. And you've believed a lie up under strong delusion. You thought you were safer than you were. You've drifted from God and allowed things into your life that never should have been there. You've ignored the commandments. You've turned away your heart while you sang your songs of praise heaven never heard. But God loves you enough. He sent me in here with this word. If you're in this room and you are not right with God, you are not where you need to be. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you're in this room and you want to connect to Jesus Christ today in faith and trust. You want to give your heart over to him and say, knowledge says, I know you're able. Faith says, I believe you will. But even if you don't do another thing for me in my life, if you will save me today, if you'll forgive me of my sins, if you'll wash me in the blood, I will follow you and serve you the rest of my life. Throw your hand up in the air right now. Wherever you're standing, throw your hand up in the air. If your hand is in the air, meet me in this altar. If your hand is in the air meet me now quickly 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 if your hand is in the air meet me in this altar the anointing of God is here the Spirit of God is here to save the Spirit of God is here to save salvation is in the room right now salvation is in the room right now Today is the day of salvation now is the moment if you're here and you want to connect to Jesus come
This is your time to repent of your sins. This is your time to say, God, I'm a sinner. I've broken your law. I've sinned against heaven and against you. And God, I ask you right now to hear my confession, to hear my confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. But there is no forgiveness without confession. Open your mouth and confess your sins. You don't have to tell a priest. You don't have to tell a preacher. But you do have to tell heaven. Open your mouth and confess your sin before God. What's wrong that you know is wrong? What have you been doing that you know you shouldn't have been doing? What have you been playing with that you shouldn't have been playing with? What have you let in your heart that you never should have left in your heart? What are you entertaining that the Holy Spirit convicted you and told you to stop doing? yourself forgive me Lord of my wrongdoing forgive me of the wicked that I've done forgive me of the things I've set before my eyes forgive me of the way I've been the forgive me father for I have sinned right cry your tears ask God to give you the strength to weep over your sin ask God to give you godly mournful sorrow over your sin ask God to increase the power of Holy Spirit conviction over your life when you sin Spirit's moving all over you. The Holy Spirit's coming near to you. The Holy Spirit is hovering all over this place. There's a fresh anointing released from heaven. Today, God heals you from strong delusion. Today, the scales get removed from your eyes. Today, the Spirit of truth comes to dwell and live on the inside of you as the scriptures have spoken. Believe on me, Jesus said, and out of your belly, rivers of living water will begin to flow. This he spake of the Spirit. Today we get it fixed. Lift up your hands all over this house. 
Lord Jesus, I confess with my mouth that I believe in you. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I come into agreement with your word that says we have an advocate with the Father. I have sinned. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to cover me with the blood of Jesus. And God, I ask you in sincerity to fill me with your spirit. Live inside of me. And God, if you don't do anything else, save my soul. I pray in the name of Jesus. Now lift up your hands and worship him right now. Oh, lift up your hands. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I receive you. Receive ye the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I receive you. Receive ye the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I receive you. Receive ye the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Receive ye the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Receive ye the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Receive ye the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Receive ye the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Receive ye the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Receive ye the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Receive ye the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Affliction be removed. Heavy burden be removed in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God right now 
in the name of Jesus. Open your mouth and cry out to God if you're thirsty. Open your mouth and cry out to God if you're hungry. God to bless me but even if he doesn't I want God to open doors for me but even if he doesn't I want God to elevate me but even if he doesn't I want God to defend me from this virus but even if he doesn't, my need belongs to another. Knowledge says he can. Faith says I believe he will. Trust says, but even if he doesn't, it's an inconvenient trust, but it makes you unmovable. It means no fire can burn you. 
it means no wave can drown you. You know what Nebuchadnezzar did? He was so impressed when the boy said, we ain't going to bow. You know what he did? He threw them all in the fire. But the Bible says he looked, and even though he threw three in there, there was four walking around in the fire with him. When you trust God, God never said you wouldn't have to go through any fiery trials. But when you trust God, he did say, when you go through it, I'll come and go through it with you. It's not always God's will to take you out. Sometimes it's his will to take you through. And if you haven't got out of it by now, by faith, don't quit on God. Don't grow cold in your soul. Lean over into trust. Trust. I trust you. I trust you. Though he slay me, Job said, yet will I trust. 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 Those of you that accepted Jesus Christ today or rededicated your life today, the seal of the Holy Spirit is on you. The seal of salvation is on you. The seal of eternity and the new birth in Christ is on you. Connect to God through his word. Connect to God through his church. Connect to God through his praises. Connect to God through worship. Connect to God through baptism. Connect to God through communion. And God, the Holy Spirit, will do the rest in leading and guiding you into all truth. But whatever you do, baby, don't grow cold in your faith. Don't grow cold. If you decide to stop coming to church and start watching online, don't, don't let online cause you to grow cold in your faith. I'm worried about all these online members. I'm worried about you. Because whether you like me or not or turn me off or not, God never intended this to be this way. He never intended this to be this way. I understand if you have your reasons I'm not condemning you I'm not mocking you but God never intended it to be this way and there's something happening to Christians all over the United States that is an attack of the enemy with a strategic target of making our faith grow cold stand strong remember who you are Teach your children who they are. Moses, Moses said, bind it upon their wrist. Make them a necklace that hangs over their heart. Tell them morning, noon, and night. Honey, we have a God. We serve a God. We have a a book that tells us how to live. We have a book that is truer than what your school teacher is saying to you. We have a book that's truer than what your university professor is saying to you. We have a book that's truer than what the media is screaming. We have something that's more real.
I don't know if my voice for an hour was strong enough to penetrate the crust built over 24-7, seven days a week, 30 days in a month, four months that you've been hearing on the media. But I prayed because one day I'm going to die. And my death is a little different than your death. When I die, not only do I have to stand before God and give an account for all my sins and all my deeds, but because I'm part of the ministry, because I've been anointed by our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, to be an under-shepherd in his kingdom, because his mantle and anointing and ministry gift has been entrusted to me, I will stand before God one day and I will give an account concerning what I told you about how to be saved. I'll give an account for what I preached in your hearing. I'll give an account. And I believe that. That's right. I'm held accountable. Not by you, incidentally. By Jesus Christ himself. That's all I wanted to tell you. I wanted to tell you. Today, is the day of salvation. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Tomorrow's promise to no man and one day you will die. And what happens after that is determined by what you believe how you trust so I pray this message if it hasn't been effective yet I pray it goes home with you I pray you go to sleep thinking about it I pray God the Holy Spirit continues to bring these words back to the door of your heart and knock I pray you come to repentance I pray you come to faith in the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ I pray you learn to love every inconvenient truth so that you may be saved. I speak the blessing of the Lord upon you. After repentance, the scripture says the times of refreshing come. I speak the refreshing of God over you right now. If you were sincere in your repentance and in your prayer, a refreshing is going to hit your life today and it won't leave. A refreshing and a renewal is going to hit your life. I speak that over you in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak that your God will go before you and lead you and guide you into all truth. I speak God the Holy Spirit would convict you, would whisper to you, would give you instruction and gentle leading. Jesus. I speak that you would rise above shame, above fear, above anything that would try to take your knee and reserve your knee for the worship of Jehovah God, the Ancient of Days, God Almighty, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord praise all over his house. Stand to your feet. If you have an offering you would like to give, 
we take the tithe in the beginning of the service, we do the offering at the end. If you tithed earlier, get an offering. If you didn't tithe earlier, get your tithe. If you have something you want to honor the Lord with, something you want to honor the Lord with in your giving, come and bring it. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. As you're giving, may the Lord your God bless you. May the Lord your God keep you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. May he go before you and make every crooked place straight. May he seal in your heart the truths you have heard today. May you be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, a lender and not a borrower. No weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, God will condemn. This is the heritage of the righteous, those who live by faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit today. We thank you for calling and drawing us today. And we thank you for starting something in our lives in this service, a fire that will never run out. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you, Christian world. If you have something to give, give it, and then you can be dismissed.